Hello and welcome to the She Reads Truth podcast, where we open our Bibles and talk about the beauty, goodness, and truth we find there. I'm your host, Rachel Myers. I'm your other host, Amanda Bible Williams, and this is our very first podcast episode. Rachel, how obvious do you think it's going to be to them that this is our very first podcast episode? I'm counting on it being just a little obvious, Okay, but that just means we only have one way to go. That's right. I feel great about that. Practice makes perfect. We're going to get better and better at this. It's true. It's true. We hope so. Okay. This episode, it's, it's heavy. We talk about loss and grief pretty specifically, but it's not just heavy. It's hopeful. And we're so glad you're listening. Yeah, this will be a great first episode, I think. And One thing I want to give our listeners before we begin any podcast episode is a little bit of a word search. So Amanda, what are four words that they can listen for in today's episode? Okay. I love this game. I have two. I have kerchiefs and cemeteries. Okay. On the line of cemeteries, we'll say singing and sonic drive-through. Love it. I love a sonic drive-through. Okay. Let's do it. Guys, let's do this. All right. So this week we are talking about mourning and dancing. It sounds a little like a fun topic and a little like a not fun topic. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) That's fair. This is actually not the first time we have gone through this plan, this Bible reading plan with our community. About three years ago, a little over three years ago, we read the morning and dancing Bible reading plan. And it was an incredible time for the community to uncover the truth of God's word and what it means to mourn and dance often simultaneously. And so we're excited to get to go through this reading plan again. And um, man, it does not feel too soon. It no. feels it feels overdue. No, it, it's truly, I'm impressed that we've waited this long because um, you all are she's and he's who read the Bible with us every day. You have been telling us how much this reading plan means to you and how much you want to revisit it and how you have invited others into this reading plan. And so for many of you, it'll be the first time that you've gone through, I would say for most of you. Mm -hmm. And so we are excited to be in this reading plan this week and to talk about the fact that to lament and to grieve is biblical. We are invited into that. It is not a failure of our faith when we suffer or when we grieve. It is appropriate. And there are examples throughout Scripture of grief and lament at the same time that all of the promises that Scripture gives us are true. Yes. And as we assembled this Bible reading plan, we found, and we always discover things as we assemble Bible reading plan, we rarely have an idea, and it comes out the way we expect it to. But as we assembled it, we found that it is just true that the Christian life, that life in general, is full of dichotomy. It is full of that full range of emotions, that there is both mortality and that there is eternal life, that there is grief and that there is remembrance, that there is sin and that there's redemption, and there is mourning and that there's dancing. And even Mm -hmm. as we uncovered promises and truth and hope. We also found these like real life examples. We went to the Psalms and we found David lamenting to the Lord, living real life, full range of emotions that he did. And he wrote about them and his writing about them gives us permission. And I think some really sweet, freeing ways to feel the way that he felt completely unfiltered before the Lord. Yeah. I want to actually read an example of this, Rachel. In Psalm 3, the heading in my Bible on the CSB Bible says, Confidence in Troubled Times. And this is a Psalm of David when he fled from his son Absalom. Lord, how my foes increase. There are many who attack me. Many say about me, there is no help for him and God. 
But you, Lord, are a shield around me, my glory and the one who lifts up my head. I cry aloud to the Lord, and he answers me from his holy mountain. I lie down and sleep. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. I will not be afraid of thousands of people who have taken their stand against me on every side. Rise up, Lord. Save me, my God. You strike all my enemies on the cheek. You break the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. May your blessing be on your people. I love that. I love that he is just saying, like, this is the reality. This is my current situation. And then he says, the Lord sustains me. He states his hope, even as he's crying out in hard press on all sides. He says, the Lord sustains me. And I think he also says that the Lord is my salvation. Yes. And his circumstances do not look hopeful. No. His circumstances are saying, like it says here in verse two, his circumstances and actual people around him are saying, there is no help for you Mm -hmm. from God. Mm -hmm. And so that reminds me of times when in suffering, when we were like, where is God? Mm -hmm. And I think as believers, one of the things that is so hard for us is that we know where God is. We know that he is near. Mm -hmm. We know what he can do. And we don't understand why Mm -hmm. he doesn't do what Mm -hmm. we know he is capable of doing. And so to lament that and to even be be angry in in our frustration and in our lack of understanding and the the lack of the type of resolution and healing, hope, restoration, all of those things that we want in the right now, Mm -hmm. even in that, it is still true that he is who he says he is, even when it doesn't feel like it in the moment. And the reality is we sometimes think of grief or lament as our outlying circumstance. It's the thing that, boy, I hope we get three years off from, from that type of thing. Or when we are in grief or we are suffering, we feel like an exception. We feel a little stained compared to the people around us. But I think that's not true. I think that the reality is everyone listening, I mean, everyone in the room that we're recording right now, we're all suffering to some degree, or we know someone who is suffering. I don't think that it is as hard to come up with or to name pain that we are feeling. I always think of that hymn, Come Ye Sinners, Mm -hmm. and the line, we are weak and wounded, sick and sore. And when you list those four things, I don't know that I'm excluded from them. You know, either weak or wounded, or I am sick or I am sore from the last time I was weak, wounded, or sick. I'm still sore from that. I think that we we carry pain and we try not to. We carry pain and we try not to think about it or talk about it. Or we talk about it to the wrong person or whatever it is. But when we take it to the Lord, that's what Scripture models for us. And so anyone listening, I'm sure you can name suffering or soreness or woundedness that you carry or that the people around you carry. Or that you carry on behalf of your people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And so this invitation to to bring that lament before the Lord, and then not just that, but in the book we use Psalm 71, I think, as an example, this psalmic lament. And there are many psalmic laments. There are probably almost 10, is that right? At least, Of yeah, the psalms. So actually, in the book, we have this format from Psalm 71 that outlines how any one of us could fill in writing our own psalmic lament. Not that we're writing scripture, but that we're using scripture to inform the way we talk to God and and using that as an outline where we kind of name the thing that we need from the Lord and we remind ourselves of the hope that we have and we call out to Him 
for who he is, saying things like, the Lord sustains me, the Lord is my salvation, and this is the thing that I bring to you. That, Just like the psalm that you read, Amanda. Right. And I think for me, I have had to learn that. And it's one of the reasons that we are so passionate about this topic and even this study book that our team created is that we have to practice lamenting because to bring the full range of emotion, like you just said, Rachel, to bring that to God can feel for someone who has grown up thinking that was not okay. It can feel almost rebellious to speak what is actually in me back to the God who made me and who is holy. And so what a gift for Scripture to show us that that is not just okay, but that that is actually part of the way that God ministers to us and that we learn truth and practice truth in our lives because there are going to be times, I am in a time right now, and I know that you have been in times in your life where some of the things that we believe with all that we are to be true, don't necessarily look or feel true. Like we know that all things will be made new. We know that God is near to the brokenhearted. We know that there will be a full restoration in the life to come and that that restoration is not just for later. It It is ongoing right now, that God is working and redeeming and restoring right now. But there are circumstances in our lives that are so heavy they are the reason that we need the restoration Mm -hmm. because there's darkness Mm -hmm. and there is sickness. And that is the reality. And if we don't speak that reality, that doesn't make the reality go away. It just means that we're trapped in it and we don't know what's true. And we become really tempted to ask why. Yeah. And we don't always get to know. Sometimes we do. Yeah. But rarely, we rarely get to know why. Yeah. And it's okay to ask why. Yeah. It's okay to ask why. But also, let's ask who. Mm-hmm. Who is with me? Who sustains me? Who is my hope? Where is it? Exactly. Who is my hope? That's where our hope comes from. It doesn't come from the why. Because, I mean, we could name, Amanda, you're walking through, like you said, some really difficult circumstances right now. And, and I'll give you a second in a minute to kind of give a little context for that, if that's okay. But even in that, I don't know that the answers to the whys are all that comforting. I think that sometimes the answers to the whys are the things that people tell us, hey, I'm so glad that you're walking through this because it's drawn me closer to the Lord. It's helped my prayer life. You know, these types of things, they're such wins, but they're not an even trade. No, and it won't ever feel like an even trade. Like I think that's that's a good word to say that the why, I don't know that I am capable, even if I knew the why, of understanding it fully. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that it would ever feel like enough. But the who, mm-hmm. the who feels like enough. It does. And to know that, that sort it of is an God. achy enough, sort yeah. of an achy, like, oh, yeah. Lord, yeah. I know who. And that's about all the comfort that we may get is just knowing who. And that is all the comfort we need. Yeah. But it is an achy answer still. Yeah. So what our family is walking through right now, and and so many of you listening have walked with us and prayed with us, and I just thank you. Um, If you were in the room right now, that would just bring me to tears, but I'm going to keep moving right past it. Mm -hmm. So um, I am married to my husband, David. We have three biological children who are 12, 9, and 9, and we adopted in 2018 
a little four-year-old at the time, boy named Toby. We brought him home from China. He is just the epitome of joy in life. And he has a very complex heart condition. And so when he had been home about four months, we had a miracle surgery Mm -hmm. um, here in Nashville that we had hoped and dreamed that he would be able to one day have. And so we were really surprised and hopeful that we got to do that so soon after bringing him home because his heart, his heart needed that. And so the surgery itself went well, he just experienced a lot of bleeding, a lot of complications. And so the months and months and months Mm -hmm. following the surgery were just full of complication. And so Toby now, I hope by the time you hear this, he will be home. But um, at the time of recording this, he is still in the hospital and he's been there for about 11 months in cardiac ICU. Not normal, not expected, completely beyond the scope of anything that anyone would have ever expected to come of that surgery. And so we almost lost Toby multiple times. times. And and when I say that, like, I mean, we've had the conversations with the doctors where we just, we just don't think like he's, you need to prepare your hearts like this is he can't climb out of this hole. And multiple times, multiple emergency events, several, several surgeries. He bears the signs of that, of all of those complications. He now not only has a compromised heart, although a stronger heart than when he went in, um, he has compromised lungs. He's lost um, toes and parts of fingers. He has a trach, so he's kind of lost the ability to speak and eat normally. But he's still he's still Toby. Mm-hmm. So we rejoice in that, that we get to keep our boy. But I will tell you that there were times he was on a very acute form of life support for six weeks where we just the longer he was on it, the less chance there was that he would come off of it. And so to stand next to his bed and know, I mean, and people would tell me, like, I know Jesus is with you. I've even had, like, dreams of Toby with just angels surrounding his bed and all of this. And and yes, like, I, I know that, and I believe that, too. And I know that Jesus could heal Toby fully, but I also was watching him choose to not do that. Mm-hmm. And so the pain and ache of that is really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's so important, I think, to know what you believe about this and yes. to remind yourself of it and practice it before you are standing at the bedside. And not yes. that you can't also learn it there because you can, you know, and not that I haven't learned through this process because I have mm-hmm. um, one of the most formative, you know, years of my life. Mm-hmm. And I'm so thankful that I knew going into that that I could bring my confusion, my anger, my hurt, my desperation to God, and that that was not offensive to Him, but He welcomed me as a daughter, Mm -hmm. and He welcomes you listening as a daughter and a son. And so I, I knew that going in, and I deeply learned that in the midst of it. But that is why this this is so important because you either are there, you've been there, you're going to be there, mm-hmm. or you have someone who's going through deep, deep suffering in your life. And to lament is not unexpected. It is not a failure. It is a gift and it is appropriate and it is part of this life we walk with Christ. That's exactly right. I think that to lament, like you're saying, it is not a failure of faith. Oh my goodness. It is a demonstration of who you believe God is to go to him with your deepest ache and to say it to him because he is our source of comfort. He is who he's the answer to who. Right. And he is who he says he is. He is. He is. 
Man, Amanda, thank you so much for sharing that. I know that it's not easy to share, and I'm always grateful, even when you share with me and when you let me and even your close people in to what you are walking. And and in some ways, it feels like you're walking out of it, but it also in many ways feels like you're walking into a new season of not easy. I mean, even just bringing, bringing our guy home now age five, but with a whole new set of challenges. And, and the season, while it's different, while it's a relief, it is also a difficult season. And I know that you are continuing to bring your laments faithfully to the Lord and to share the hard things with your friends, but with your God. Yeah. And and so I'm thankful that you shared that with us because I know that's not easy to share. And I think also from that, we learn the importance of being a woman in the Word of God every day, right. the importance of having built a theology of who God is, because He is who He says He is. Before Toby ever came home, before Toby was ever a twinkle in your eye, you knew who God was, you know who God is. And so while that didn't make it easy by any stretch, right. that gave you something to hold on to. And I think that's the thing, that is the difference, because when I talk about having you know, everyone listening, you know, or the case of a believer is that we will endure trials. The case of a human with a heartbeat will endure trials. And the difference is that for a believer, we have hope. We have this anchor, this hope, this anchor for the soul that will not return void. Yeah. It's one of the things that kind of cemented us together as friends and as as sisters in this ministry is that we both have stories with ups and downs, and yeah. just like we all do, and what we have each learned separately and now continue to learn together is that we do have, when you said, Rachel, you had something to hold on to, that's exactly what it felt like. Mm-hmm. And you know, and you've told me stories where you have physically held on mm-hmm. to to Scripture because it is the thing that does not move. God is the one who does not change. And no matter what my circumstances says, no matter what the voices in my in, like in my ear say, what what people say, what my own self doubt, my own doubt says, he does not change, and he is who he says he is. Yesterday, today, forever. Hey guys, it's Katie from She Reads Truth. Advent is just around the corner, but it's not too late to get a beautiful Advent scripture book for the season. November 19th is the last day to order for guaranteed Advent delivery. And I have good news. I have a discount code for 15% off Advent. Go to shopshereadstruth.com and use the code PODCAST15. For me, in my situation, I I would say I was less tethered in my season of suffering, Amanda, than you were and are now. You were so young, too. I was a baby. Mm-hmm. I was so young. I was um, 25 years old when we lost our daughter. And at the time, I, was, I had grown up memorizing Scripture. I'm so thankful to the Lord that I had that benefit of God's Word hidden in my heart. But my theology of suffering and of who God is came in the season, not before. I was 25 years old. I was pregnant with our second child. And at our 20-week ultrasound, we laughed through the whole thing. Will we find out or do we want to wait and be surprised? Is it a boy or a girl? And it very quickly became a very, very different ultrasound, a very different day at the hospital. 
and in that, we found out that our daughter had fluid on her brain, that her there was something wrong with her heart, that there was a, a growth issue. And, you know, Wade led on to Wade. And for us, we found out that she had something called trisomy 9, a genetic disorder. And, and the words that they used for us were incompatible with life. And, um, and in that diagnosis for us, we were kids, Amanda. We were just, yeah. we, we, I remember um, there were days where we would come home from an appointment and go to bed and wake up the next morning and realize that we just left the car running in the driveway until it had run out of gas. The grass just grew in our yard. No one was mowing the grass. We were, I remember more than one time standing at the kitchen sink, washing the dishes and realizing that my face was soaking wet. I had just been crying, but not even thinking, not even like forefront of my mind crying, but just my body was sorrowful because the little girl who was moving inside of me wasn't going to live. She hadn't, she had, she was still alive. And from that diagnosis, we had her for 12 weeks three months of carrying her. I carried her a little past eight months, but we didn't know. And so this season, when we talk about truth, when we talk about what is true and establishing a theology of suffering or or just what is true, for me, I was living a life that suddenly it felt like nothing was true. I didn't know if I was going to wake up in the morning. Our routine in the morning was wake up and hold still and see if she was moving. We held still and waited for a sign of life for 12 weeks worth of mornings until the morning that the answer was no. And so maybe for the first time in my life, I was realizing that nothing in my world actually felt permanent at all. Nothing felt true. Even the way that I looked, even the maternity clothes in my closet had this promise of a baby. And friends would come over and say, you know, what are you going to do for the nursery? Nothing was true. And I started to understand that. I understood that not only was my daughter temporary, but so was my husband. So was my son. There was no guarantee that any of them would live any longer than our daughter would. And I think that that for me was this moment of realizing I have to have something to hold on to. I need something to grasp what is not going to change, what is not going to let me down. And that, Amanda, I had, like I said, I had scripture hidden in my heart from childhood. I was a believer. I was in the church every Sunday from the first Sunday after our diagnosis, I was there. But the Lord showed me, and this is, I mean, so much of why my passion for She Reads Truth exists is because there is something that is true. There is something that will not fail. The word of the Lord will not pass away. It will not fail. And I realized that and it proved itself to be true to the point in that 12 weeks where I would wake myself up in the middle of the night to the sound of my own voice, quoting John 10, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but I have come that you might have life. I woke up to the sound of my own voice, Amanda. And the beauty is... I had a little bit of understanding of truth. That was the testing ground. That was where I learned that, oh, this is actually something that I can truly hold on to. So listeners who are going like, well, maybe I don't have what Amanda had going into her suffering. I didn't, guys. But the word of God was true. And it was strong enough and sturdy enough and true enough that I could hold on to as a last grasping hope. And it wasn't going to let me down even if it was the first time I had come to it. I love to hear you tell that story. It makes me cry. It's it's a painful story. 
And I hurt for 25-year-old Rachel. But I love the way that that story, the way that God has redeemed and is continuing to redeem that story in your life and the way that he has drawn so many other women Mm -hmm. into his word because of what he did for you in your darkest, darkest times. And I love, too, that it it encourages me that it is not about, you know, we, we talk about you want to have a, a theology of suffering before you're in suffering. Ideally, sure. we don't. And none of us has it nailed, Mm-mm. right? But that it's just because suffering and darkness are ongoing, we can we can begin to explore that now. We don't have to look away. We don't have to pretend like the hurt that we're feeling, even if we're not in the middle of something tragic. Mm-hmm. We all experience hurt and unmet longing and yes. um and we don't have to pretend like that's not true. We just need to also know what is the truest truth, Mm -hmm. and that is God's Word. Mm -hmm. And so what was true for you, Rachel, when you were in that season was what can separate us from the love of Christ? Can affliction? No. Distress? Persecution? Famine? Nakedness? Danger? Or sword? No. Yeah. Those are not light things. Listen to that list. And this is just the one verse. Affliction, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword, can death, can diagnosis, can prognosis. Mm-hmm. Um, can those things separate us from God's love? No. Yeah. And actually, we stood that day of our diagnosis. We had to go from the midwife's office, of course, straight to Vanderbilt Children's, the maternal fetal medicine, and we spent hours there. But that night, at the end of a very long day, as kids, we walked out to the parking garage, and we had no idea where our car was, you can imagine. Just wandered around the parking garage, and I remember taking Ryan's hand, and we were just Mm war-worn, even by the end of that day. And I said to him, John 16, 33, I said, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. And we wrote it down that night, and we held on to that for that one day. Did it feel true that day? I knew that it was true, Mm -hmm. and I also knew that it hurt. This was the worst day of your life. Yeah. Yeah, but it was still true. So it's not saying, you're not saying that that day was easy because you knew that verse of Scripture. Right. And it is something that I'm so passionate about with this particular reading plan, because to say that God is with us in our suffering and to say that He will restore all things is not saying the grief that you're in does not hurt or that what is happening is okay. It is not, like you said earlier, it is not the way it's supposed to be. Yes. But sharing the story also is such a sweet way to talk about why For me, and also for you, Amanda, why She Reads Truth is not a pet project for us, because we have experienced firsthand what it means to rely on the truth of God's Word and to be changed by it, to be buoyed by it, to be anchored by it. And that's why we are finding eight years in, and we found it a year in and two years in, that being women in the Word of God every day is not just a hashtag. It is not just an aspiration. It's not something to check off of our list in a rhythm of life. It is the anchor for our souls. And it is the thing that 
for me, Amanda, and for you, and for so many women and men in our community, it is the reason we have hope. And so whether you are walking through hardship right now or not, I think the other thing that we haven't really talked about is what it means to walk through hardship with someone or walk with someone through their hardship. Right. And how does the truth of God's Word change the way that we love those around us who are suffering? Someone within arm's reach of you, listening right now, someone within arm's reach of you is hurting. Yes. And there are a lot of ways to do that wrong. There are a lot of ways. Unfortunately, that's true. <laughs> it's just the truth. I mean, nod your head where you are. Yeah. If, if someone yeah. has comforted you with something that has been hurtful or empty or whatever. Or trying to fix something that they are not capable of fixing mm-hmm. instead of just sitting, just sitting in it with you. And, you know, some of the most powerful things that people say to me right now, and it's I'm, I'm thinking of text messages from you, right? And from my friend, Laura, who they will regularly say to me, this is not okay. This is not the way it's supposed to be. And I just need to hear that. I Mm -hmm. just need to remember that this is not the way that it's supposed to be. The reality is we are so desperate to relieve each other's pain. I don't want to see you hurting. And I will say anything to make that come untrue. I want the immediate fix. I want it to go away. I want the get well. I want the Mylar balloon and I want to hand it to you and say, get well soon. I want to say things to you like, this is going to be over soon. I want to say things to you like, I can see Toby running and swimming this summer. You want to say things to me. But when we lost Evie, when we lost our daughter, we got, you know, the gamut of comfort and people wanted to comfort us. And some of it was helpful and some of it was not, you know, there are the things that you can say to a grieving parent that is not helpful, but also the things that are the most helpful are the things that are actually true. And what we found were in our grief, you know, as we still had her with us. And then when we didn't, the things that were unprofitable were the promises or the hopes that were in things that may or may not happen. Right. Promises that that were not theirs to make. Exactly. You know, and we want so badly for certain things to be true. You know, like we want, you know, Toby running in the yard with his siblings and, and, and I hope that one day he will, but it is, you're right. It's unhelpful when someone tells me that he will, because they don't know that. I don't know know that his Mm -hmm. doctors don't know that only God knows that. And yes, can God do that? 100%. Will he? I don't know. And and I don't know why. And to hope in that is an empty hope, and it is a hope that will let you down or that could let you down. Because when we even say to each other something on behalf of the Lord, when we say, you know, like, this is something I believe God will do, right? then then what happens if He doesn't do it? Right. Is He less faithful? Is He, is he not who He says He is? Oh, my goodness, no. He is who He says He is, and He is faithful. But what we've done is started to believe things that are not promised, that are not ours to promise. Right. And I think it's important to point out those specific words. Like, is it okay to hope for? Yeah. Yes. But do you hope in? Do I hope for Toby's complete restored self running and playing with his siblings? I do. Yes. Yeah. Do I hope in that? No. Mm -mm. I hope in the God who made Toby. Mm -hmm. I hope in the God who loves him more than I do. Yeah. The God who knows 
the number of hairs on his head, who knows the exact amount of blood he lost in that operating room. Mm-hmm. I know um, his number of days. Right. He knows his number of days. I hope in that. Yeah. I hope in the God who promises to wipe away every tear. Mm-hmm. And in the meantime, to count the tears as they're cried. That's who I hope in. Yeah. And to hope for Yes, hope for all these things. This is not, we are not saying don't hope, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but we are saying to anchor your hope to the capital H. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And we have, we know what to hope for. It's not a mystery. I mean, even the book of Revelation 21 verse 4, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Grief, crying and pain will be no more because the previous things have passed away. That is is what we hope in. That is our hope. And that's something that if I tell that to you, if I send you a text that is just a quote from Scripture, Amanda, you can take it to the bank. You know that it's true, and you can actually find hope in that. So the other thing that I think that we really want to remember, and our topic today, mourning and dancing. Yeah, um, we've talked a lot about lament. Right. But let's talk about dancing and dancing in the context of, of mourning. Right. So is it okay to dance? Yeah. Is it okay to dance when you're suffering, when you're in a, the dark, the darkest place? Is it okay to dance when someone you love is yeah. is in that place? And I, I think the answer is yes. I know the answer is yes. Mm-hmm. And it is because of everything we've just already said, because mm-hmm. God's word is true. Because of the hope that we have. Yes. And that is not an empty hope. And it is not just a future hope. We do not rejoice now because one day there will be no tears. We do. We do not only rejoice now Mm -hmm. because there will one day be no tears. We rejoice now because God's presence is with us and His joy is is with us. Not just because we have the promise of abundant life in the life to come, but because we as believers have the promise of abundant life right now. And abundant life looks weird. It looks like it looks like walking through a really hard thing. And also laughing, actually laughing in your son's hospital room. In the room. hospital room. We mm-hmm. laugh all the time. And we haven't always, and there have been many days where there was no laughter. Mm-hmm. But even on those days, I was just looking back this morning at, at some old old video of him. And I was remembering when he was fully sedated and we just, you know, he was still his long nap, we now call it. Mm-hmm. And I, there was a video where we played his favorite song and he started raising his hand. Mm-hmm. And it was the first time we'd seen him intentionally move um, since the surgery. And we laughed. I just listened to my voice and to the voice of who's now one of his favorite nurses. And we were just laughing. And, and, you know, and my child is on full body life support. Like this is not a laughing matter, Mm -hmm. you know, so to speak, but there's joy Mm -hmm. and we are free to feel that joy. It doesn't mean that we don't care about the darkness or don't feel the darkness, but it does mean that the joyful things that are true, the things that we rejoice in mm-hmm. are also still true. Yeah. A very real picture that we paint for our son and our daughter and my nieces and nephews of mourning and dancing comes every Christmas Eve and every Easter Sunday. We we go to the cemetery as a family and we stand around our daughter's headstone. And on Christmas Eve, we sing Christmas songs about joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. And we stand at the foot of her headstone and we put our flowers in there and we sing, which is not what it, 
a person who <laughs> grieves without hope, that makes no sense to them. Right. Why are why are you allowing the kids to run around and gather flowers, you know, right. in the cemetery? Why are you laughing? Why are you telling stories? But for us, it is the most beautiful opportunity to take children to a cemetery and to sing about the king that is coming, to stand at the site of a future resurrection and to celebrate that this thing is so hard and so not fair that we aren't inside our house right now with gifts under the tree with her name on them. Right. This isn't fair. And we're here to worship and celebrate because of the king who is coming and we celebrate him on Christmas Day. We talk about an advent. When we stand at her grave and we celebrate the king, the, the God who came to earth as a baby so that my daughter can have abundant life. Yeah. That's mourning and dancing. That's going on Easter Sunday again to the sunrise service and saying, Jesus is alive and it means so much to us. And we celebrate this from the depths of our soul, the aches that we don't get to have a place setting with her name on it at the table, but we are rejoicing and right. laughing because we have a promise. Right. It's a that- promise that is real and true. Yes. And it's that proverb that we keep tossing back and forth to each other. Proverbs 14, 13, even in laughter, the heart may ache and the end of joy may be grief. And so even in laughter, the heart may ache. So the laughter doesn't negate the heartache, but it can exist at the same time. And in fact, it's something that scripture calls us to, to hold both. Yeah. It doesn't call us to put either of them down. I mean... We've shared, you know, from our own stories, some of the deep lament that we have walked through. And even in that, a lot of the dancing that has either interacted with that or come from it. But the reality is, everybody's story is really different. I mean, and when we talk about mourning and dancing coinciding, I mean, at the same time, it can coincide. You can go to a friend's wedding and celebrate and have a fantastic time at the reception, all the while also mourning, man, I would love to be married. You know, yeah. or or being a you know a bridesmaid for the seventh time, and just aching for that companionship, that person, that belonging, aching to be the bride. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or you can go to the gender reveal party after you know another empty pregnancy test. You know, or or just longing for children of your own, and you can celebrate. You can absolutely dance and celebrate with the people that you love, and even in laughter, the heart may ache. Yeah, yeah. And there's so much freedom in that. Yeah. There's so much freedom in knowing that Scripture invites us to lament. And so that's really what we want to do for you listening. We want to invite you into God's Word. And if you don't know how to bring your emotions and your your ache and your frustration and your anger and your questions to God, go to Scripture and find language there. Pray Scripture back to the one who wrote it. And if you don't know how to bring your celebration to God, go to Scripture. Yes. Because it's there too. You, I just keep coming back to that proverb, Amanda, that 1413 because it acknowledges it's as though the Lord as though the Lord <laughs> the Lord sees us. Yeah. He sees us right now and knows even in laughter the heart may ache. It is such a a chance for us to feel so seen. It's permission to mourn and dance at the same time. It's permission to just mourn. Yeah. Or to just dance and to feel that full range of emotions that we feel and it's all in scripture. It's all in there. And so we hope that you will um, 
go to Scripture. We hope that listening to us makes you hungrier for Scripture than you were before you listened, that you want to dig into God's Word. And if you don't know where to go, we hope you'll join us in the Morning and Dancing Reading Plan. You can find it on the She Reads Truth app, on the She Reads Truth site. You can come and you can read with us. And we're actually going to throw, we talked about that um, lament worksheet a little bit, where in the book, the Morning and Dancing book that we created, there is daily, there's a lament worksheet that you can, at the beginning of the book, you can identify, this is the thing that I want to lament. It can be a different thing every day, or it can be that one thing for the full two weeks. But we want to make that available to you listeners with or without the book. So you'll find that a link to download that PDF also in the show notes. We hope that's helpful to you to use the format of Psalm 71, the format of what already exists in Scripture to um, to lament to the Lord. I hope that'll be a really good tool for you guys. And if you dare, I hope that you um, invite someone to do that with you. Yeah. If that is a scary notion, mm. I understand that and I get that. And I, I think, you know, invite a buddy yeah. to, to do that with you, um, whether or not you share what you're writing just to to know that someone else is on that journey with you is um, so helpful. And God gave us each other. And even, you know, a bit ago, we talked about walking with others as they're suffering. Maybe we're not suffering, but we know someone who is. And we talked about some of the ways that you can do that in a poor way or in a good way. But I also want to give you like a specific handlebar to hold. Something that we have begun to exercise as friends, Amanda and I, uh, my sister and I, a number of people in our friend circle, we just text each other scripture. Yeah. As believers, that is not offensive. I am not offended when you send me a Bible verse. My sister sent me a scripture this morning because what we find is that our words fail and there's so much freedom. And honestly, it's such a generous thing to be in the word yourself and to find something that makes you think of, of someone else and to send that to that person. That is one of the kindest things you can do. And so when my sister sends me scripture in the morning or when I send Amanda scripture in the middle of a long day at the hospital, it is one of the kindest ways that we can weep with those who weep, mourn with those who mourn, and really walk alongside someone without giving them an empty promise or an empty hope or a platitude. So something that we have always said is that She Reads Truth exists at the intersection of beauty, goodness, and truth. And so what we want to do on this podcast is to celebrate those things and where we're seeing them in life. Um, We see it in Scripture, yes, and we see it all around us. We do see it all around us, and I think that it's just fun. At the end of a podcast that was a little bit hard, but also really special, it was a genuine taste of mourning and dancing, it felt like. But at the end of this episode, to call out some beauty and goodness and truth that we have seen recently. Amanda, what do you have? You know, when I think of goodness right now in my life, it's just normal things. Normal things like sitting on the sofa with the rest of my family in the room But just doing normal things, driving my daughter to soccer practice, taking my boys to Sonic, getting them a half-price slushie, like these are just things I don't get to do much right now. And when we do them, I am just abnormally joyful, (laughs) just like really kind of off the charts happy about anything normal. That is absolutely goodness and beauty. It is beautiful. I love that. And goodness is from the Lord. It is. Right? Yeah. Okay, Ray, what about you? Where are you saying beauty, goodness, and truth? I... I mean, I know it's a little deep, 
but I am loving kerchiefs right now. <laughs> I just love, I don't know what everybody calls them, but is it a neckerchief? Is it a bandana? Is know. it a skinny, a, scarf. a skinny scarf? I've heard whatever it is. I don't know. Like Ellie Holcomb was wearing these like three years ago. She is ahead of the curve. And don't we want to just be like Ellie? I just more want to be more. like Ellie. Yeah. Um, Jesus, <laughs> my mom, then Ellie. <laughs> and yeah, so those are aspirations. But um, I am loving a good neckerchief these days. And there are a lot of younger than me ladies who work in our office and they're just so cool. And I want to be like them. And they wear neckerchiefs. And so I do too. So I mean, you're doing a good job. My beauty, my beauty right now is neckerchiefs, kerchiefs, bandanas. There it is. Okay, so Rachel, are you saying that it's okay to find beauty in a neckerchief and celebrate that um, even when the world is hurting? It is okay. It is good because all good things are from the Lord, even neckerchiefs. I believe that beauty is from the Lord, and we have been created to celebrate beauty, even silly, silly things like that that don't even—it makes my neck hot, if I'm honest. (laughs) But I'm into it. I'm doing it. And you know what? You can too. Thank you. I don't feel empowered, but I'm going to try. We're going to get you there. Try. So yeah, that's morning and dancing, my friend. It is <laughs> like getting up and taking a shower, even when we're sad. It's putting on a pretty outfit if we want to, not if we don't. That's right. Amen. Amen. Freedom. Freedom for the leggings. Okay. We want to read scripture with you guys, and you are welcome here anytime. Show up at She Reads Truth on the app or the site, here on the podcast, and be a woman in the Word of God every day with us. Or man, we know you're out there, guys. Yeah, we also have He Reads Truth. So you can find a lot that we've talked about in the show notes. We're going to get, you know, a lot of the scripture that we quoted. You're going to be able to find those references there. Just about anything else. Maybe a link to a good kerchief. You don't know. I mean, it is possible. You never know. Maybe we can find a coupon for a good half-price slushy. Sonic. Perfect. <laughs> it's a tall order, but we're going to do it. Hey, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, it is our privilege to go to God's Word and find beauty, goodness, and truth there for you, with you, with each other. And don't forget, please take a second and leave a review wherever you're listening to this podcast. It is going to mean so much to us, and it's going to help other women like you find us. And listen, we love this. We love that we have this podcast and we can have another way to read scripture with you and to hear from you. So be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss an episode. And we really hope you'll join us this week and we'll see you next week. Until then, keep opening your Bibles.